to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Here with me today is Abigail Garfalo, and she is an extension educator with Natural Resources, Environment, and Energy. How are you doing today, Abigail? I'm doing pretty good. I'm. I'm. Uh, it's cold weather, but I'm. I'm here for it. So. Yeah, it's kind of been a roller coaster the past couple of days. At least where I live here um, in Central Illinois, and. Uh, I kind of hate the little teasing of, well, it kind of got a little warm, but now we're back to cold again, so. Yeah, and it's it's a little warmer today, so I might put some holiday lights up, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. So, yep, turns on gotta, a dime. Right, you got to kind of pick your windows and be very opportunistic there. Exactly. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about uh, the wildlife that we live with. Um, so, you know, what kind of wildlife can I find on my property? Yeah, oh, so much, honestly, whether you want it or not. Some we love, like the birds, there's cardinals, robins, sparrows, finches. Um, and believe it or not, a lot of people forget that when we're talking about wildlife, we're also talking about the insects. So bees, butterflies, beetles, wasps, um, ones you don't even, you know, have a name for that. You're like, I just know that's a bug, you know? Um, and then some, we kind of are back and forth on like squirrels. Some people love squirrels. Some people hate squirrels. Um, muskrats you might find, um, if you live near water, possums, deer, and then there's always the ones we don't love so much, right? Um, some of the, the ones that tend to either mess up our landscape or, and maybe some of those are those up in the air ones that I talked about, but also some of the ones that are predators, um, like moles, skunks, coyotes, and then, oh, well, of course I can't forget raccoons as well. So, um, but so many different kinds of wildlife we can find and, um, all of them kind of have their place. So, yeah, and some of those that you've uh, listed off as predators, you know, I'm sure that some folks don't really classify them as predators because it's like, well, that you know, you don't necessarily see them <laughs> in that mm. category. So it's always uh, interesting that they are uh, classified as that, like uh, raccoons and skunks, uh, for instance. So those are always yeah. interesting to hear that. Um, so um, why are predators important to our landscape, though? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I guess I'll define predator for you. It's an, um, it, an animal that eats other animals, right? So it, it hunts it. Um, there are some other really cool like skull features that you can use to identify. Like they usually have like the canine teeth and like the sharper canines and things like that. But yeah, they're animals that are eating other animals. And um, first of all, just kind of note that some of them aren't going away. <laughs> Um, it's just part of our landscape. Um, we've been hearing about these like these large predators, um, like the bobcat coming back to Illinois, or not the bobcat, excuse me, the cougar. Um, those are really, really rare. They, they're they extirpated is the term we use. We don't really have them in, in Illinois. Um, but the more common ones um, are really essential for a lot of reasons. Um, one, they're really important for controlling herbivore populations. So our, our animals that are eating our plants, um, one, they're just like a physical deterrent. These predators are, they, um, their presence itself kind of keeps certain animals in hiding coyotes, for example, are a really good, uh, really good, um, way you see that in the landscape. Um, coyotes will rarely eat a deer. Um, they are too big. They're a lot of energy, um, to, to capture it. It'll take a few coyotes to bring down a deer, but just having the presence of a coyote in an area kind of keeps the deer from hanging out in the open and, and browsing on things just freely. So it kind of keeps them a little bit more, um, 
uh, uh, hidden as well. Um, and then also too, they just physically eat these herbivores, our, our predators are doing. So they're controlling their populations. Um, for example, skunks are going to eat grubs, um, you know, those uh, pesky landscape uh, insects that you have that turn into beetles in the spring. Um, you know, if we have some skunks eating at those, then we're going to see less of those coming out and also destroying your lawn. Um, coyotes are essential for controlling rodent populations. Um, if we have less coyotes in an area or foxes too as well, um, we'll see that rodent populations will skyrocket, but there won't be more diverse populations of rodents. We'll see like one population really taking over like uh, like one kind of species of mice or something like that. Um, and so they're really good for helping with the diversity of rodent populations, but also just kind of keeping them in check so they're not just taking over. Um, and then one of my favorite things that coyotes do actually is they've been found to slow the growth rate of geese populations. So if you're somebody like me who's like, why are there so many Canada geese all over? Or these things are just like, terrifying. <laughs> I think geese are like, I give them their healthy respect. Um, for some reason, coyotes have been shown to be like kind of a deterrent. They'll nest rob. So they'll take the eggs. Um, they'll still trying to figure out if they eat them or not, or what they're doing with the eggs, but they will kind of rob their nests. Um, and so I, I think that's really cool. Um, and then because they're controlling these herbivore populations, they're also providing disease control of these herbivore populations. So by keeping those populations in check a little bit lower, they're able to slow the spread of wildlife diseases, which could spill over to humans, but also just like disease in the landscape. So it's really, really good. Um, and then lastly, depending on the species, there's some more specific benefits. So like moles, um, a lot of people are like, oh man, moles, like I really don't like it because they'll, they'll ruin my flower bed or something. They're actually digging lower um, and they're only ruining things that are kind of up higher uh, like when they emerge but essentially you know on top of providing control of these herbivores like grubs worms and insects they're also doing a lot of really important soil mixing and aeration um, a term we call bioturbation so they're 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 mixing up the soil to allow for nutrients to get lower for plants to reach, um, providing a little bit of airspace, which is essential for soil health. So, so many benefits that these predators are providing. Yeah. And that was a very interesting uh, piece of information regarding uh, coyotes and geese. I did not know that. So that is uh, uh, very new to me and, and kind of surprising, to be honest. Uh, I did not know that they were uh, nest robbers like that. So that's very interesting. Yeah, there's this really cool um, urban, the Urban Coyote Research Project has been doing research on the, the, um, the like Northwest populations of coyote or the Northeast populations, excuse me, of coyotes um, and just like understanding them. And they have some really cool finding about like coyote interactions, about what benefits coyotes provide. And so like, I definitely encourage you if you're like, wow, is there more that coyotes do or, cause they'll examine like their stomach contents, for example, and see like, oh, what okay. are they eating? So it's very, very cool. Wow. Wow. Very interesting there. Um, so how, how do uh, folks stay safe around predators? Yeah, that's a, a big question, right? Like, well, they're predators, they have sharp teeth or they might attack me. Um, you know, one, it's important to note that wild, wildlife in general is not interested in you. Um, all the predators in Illinois are, you are much too big <laughs> for, for them to want to deal with you. Like I said, 
Coyote um, don't even typically get at deer because they're just too much energy compared to what's available, like like rabbits and mice and things like that. Um, and so um, it's important to just kind of remember that first and foremost, is they're not interested in you um, in eating you or in, you're a lot of energy to expend to come and get you. Um, the first thing I like to note, though, when it comes to just staying safe around wildlife in general is leave wildlife alone. Never touch wildlife, no matter what it is, predator or prey. Um, they could carry diseases that are maybe just very specific to that wildlife, but you never know. And you honestly, they don't want to be bothered anyway. So just kind of leave them alone. It's, it's definitely um, something we can look at them from afar and say, wow, look how amazing that is. Um, but, um, you know, most of us are not trained professionals in handling wildlife. And so we shouldn't be handling it. Um, secondly, I would say, Something that, you know, we kind of get concerned about is like, oh, the wildlife get a little too comfortable with humans. And so I think it's helpful, and a lot of wildlife researchers will tell you this as well, is to create some fear in the wildlife that you're concerned about. So coyotes is the big concern. Um, you know, oh, a coyote's walking down my neighborhood street. What if it approaches me? What if it follows my dog? Well, um, you know, we shouldn't be feeding wildlife because we don't want them to come close to us. Um, but we also, it's okay, actually, if you see a coyote from a distance, take the minute to observe, be like, wow, that's really cool. Um, but don't approach it. And it's okay for you to yell, shout, make yourself big to create a little bit of fear in that, in that animal. So that way it sees you and it's like, oh, no, 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 this is not an animal I want to mess with. I'm going to keep in the shadows a little bit when I see another one just like this. Um, and so it's kind of creates a little bit of fear in that population. So they know that humans are not something that, that we want to mess with. Um, and so that kind of helps. Um, some people even say like, yeah, like throw a rock in its direction. Um, I always say not at the animal, like, <laughs> like throw it around the animal. Um, but yeah, it's not going to come up and attack you. The only concern is really around like, um, like breeding season and things like that, like in February, March, um, maybe even into April, um, you know, that's a small concern, but make sure that you're um, just kind of creating that little bit of fear always really helps. Now, the one thing I get a lot of calls about is people are concerned about their pets um, when it comes to predators, you know, these, and it's really, when we're talking about pets, we're really only talking about, you know, the small pets, the cats and the very small dogs, a medium or large dog. Think of it, like I said, it's like, it's too big of an animal for for other coyotes or or other animals to really be uh, like want to bother themselves with. Um, but when it comes to your smaller pets, you know, when letting your dog out and sure it's monitored, especially at like dusk and dawn. Um, and because when you tie up a dog in your backyard and then you just leave it, um, you're kind of just like leaving it to be like free food um, and giving it, giving it free rate, like giving the coyote free rein. It's their space too. Um, so always just making sure you're monitoring because you're the physical presence that's going to deter the coyote, not the dog. Um, so kind of keep it monitored. Um, the other thing I always like to say is don't leave pet food outside. Um, if, if your pet food is for your carnivorous dog or cat, um, guess what other carnivores are also going to enjoy your, your pet food? Um, so, you know, other animals that like um, food, like meat, like food, um, are going to enjoy it. Raccoons, um, skunks, any other animal is going to see that 
pet food that you just left out in a tray and be like, Mmm, that sounds delicious. And look, they just left it out for me to eat. So um, I always encourage you just to kind of not leave your pet food outside or make sure you watch your dog or cat eat it and then, you know, bring it back inside. Um, and that always kind of helps um, just to kind of keep them not being so comfortable with you. Oh, yeah, those are fantastic tips there. Uh, you know, I've seen, you know, growing up in the country, you know, plenty of times seen uh raccoons on the back porch after we fed the the cats and dogs outside and so it was always a an interesting uh little nature show personally oh yeah and then, so and, yeah and they're like and you know animals they get it they get that's a habit that's a behavior and they'll be like yeah I always at three o'clock somebody puts out food for me and all I gotta do is wait for the big human to leave and then uh it's free reign free reign so and uh yeah, yeah we don't want to allow that so um so what kind of wildlife uh do we not want on our properties yeah um so i would say it's less about what you don't want and more about um like control and lack of incur like artificial encouragement right so um we kind of want that full um ecosystem which i can talk about in a minute um but we don't want to just like give one piece of wildlife or one section of wildlife, one species an advantage over the other. We want to kind of let nature take its course. Um, and so, like I said, you know, leaving your pet food outside, you're automatically giving an advantage to the animals like those raccoons um, because they've got food served to them on a platter instead of, you know, their natural um, uh, ways of skirt of, of grounding for food. Um, and then I always tell people, I know we love to feed the birds. I know we love to leave food outside because we think like animals need our help. Um, but leaving food for deer and squirrels um, can attract a lot of other animals in urban areas. We can, it attracts rats. Um, and, you know, bird feeders, really we're leaving out those bird feeders because um, we like to observe them. So kind of taking that recognition that it's about you observing the birds, the birds will find food without you. Um, they, they'll they just maybe find it not in your backyard. Um, and so kind of think about, you know, if you're leaving food, what is the reason? Is it because you think the, the wildlife needs your help? Um, it probably doesn't. It probably is okay. Um, and and um, it's more so you can enjoy that wildlife. So if you're, you know, feeding deer because you think the deer need you, I promise you the deer do not need you. Um, <laughs> they are finding plenty of food without you. Um, as far as, um, you know, wildlife on your property, you definitely don't want wildlife inside your house. Um, so consider if you do have an animal in your house somehow, consider how the animal is getting in. I mean, obviously remove the animal, um, but as you're removing, also consider how the animal is getting in, um, you know, whether it's removed professionally or by other means. Um, if you're not blocking the way it's getting in or you're deter finding some way that's deterring it, um, your efforts are futile because another animal is just going to find another way. So, um, you know, if you find, for example, you have bats coming in, um, you need to find a way or you need to block the entrance so that way they can get out but they can't get back in um and uh, maybe even too you have food that is you know like maybe you have mice in your garage um you found a really common reason is because people left 
grass seed or something over the winter. And they're like, wow, it's kind of warm in this garage. I got food that's really nice and yummy that I can eat. Um, and so removing that food might also, will also deter that animal from coming in as well. So um, kind of thinking about that. So how do I support the wildlife that's on our landscape? Yeah, so we're talking about, you know, deterring um, and control, but now let's talk about, yeah, what do we do to support them? So um, I always, and this is the same for deterring, right? Animals like to live where they can find a safe place um, to like hide and, and to be comfortable. And they also like to find a place where they can have food. Um, and so instead of providing those artificially in the form of food bowls or in places maybe you don't want them to be like your garage, um, find ways that you can do those things naturally on your landscape, on your property. Um, so providing good habitat looks a lot of different ways, um, but it first and foremost comes from providing diversity of habitat. So um, I know every year we're all picking up leaves and we're bagging them and then we're throwing them either on the street for the leaf pickers to clean them up or whatever. Um, but having a pile of leaves and leaving those into your garden beds provides great mulch and also really great habitat for insects. Um, I'm always after a storm picking up sticks from your trees and things like that. Having a little like brush pile, a stick pile, um, provides really good diversity of habitat um, for some of our smaller wildlife um, as well. And then uh, I always like to encourage to um, you know, if you have like a little, like if you find um, like a log or something, if somebody, you cut down a tree, like I leave the log. I think it's kind of fun, provides a little bit of garden habitat, little interest um, as well. And so that can provide some good habitat um, as well. As far as the food goes, um, I really like to plant plants that are going to just encourage natural food. So um, there's some really great resources out there um, all over Illinois Extension's website. Um, some really like the Audubon Society has some really good ones as well about plants that really support birds. Um, so instead of having that bird feeder, if you wanna get really good bird populations, plant plants like, like brush and um, like really good uh, plants that'll support birds in that way. And then you don't have to buy bird feeder every or bird seed every year. And you don't have to figure out how to deter the squirrels. Um, and so that are eating all the bird seed that you paid for. Um, so those are really, those are really wonderful ways. Of course, you know, there are, um, you might hear a lot of other organizations saying, oh yeah, give bird feeders or do like bee insect hotels or bat houses or things like that. Um, or even a bird bath. When it comes to any of those things that are um, what I call like artificial, um, I always say you have to commit to the maintenance of them. You can't just put up a birdhouse and then never touch it again. Same with a bird feeder, same with a bird bath. Um, all those things have to be cleaned at least weekly um, and also like filled and maintained and things like that. And then with these houses too, you have to consider where you're putting it. Um, for bat houses, for example, um, a lot of research has been finding when we put them on spaces that get a lot of um, sunlight in the summer, for example, um, we're actually baking these bats. <laughs> um, it's getting way too hot inside the 
the temperature inside the bat house is getting way too hot um, and we're actually killing off more bats than than we are saving. Um, and so if we're not cleaning them, if we're not putting them in the right spot, um, it's really not as beneficial to these animals as, as it could be. Um, and so it's really just best to provide natural habitat, um, you know, plant trees that are going to have, you know, really good um, food sources and, and homes for these species. Um, and that'll help. Um... We say, like I said, I, my encouragement is always these natural as opposed to artificial um, supports. And are there any additional resources where we can learn more? Absolutely. So, I mean, I, my favorite wildlife resource is the Wildlife Illinois website. I think it's really cool if you're like, if you have an issue with wildlife, you can be like, I think I saw something. It looked kind of like a cat, but it wasn't like it helps you identify. Um, it also gives you more information about, you know, what it eats and how it breeds and, um, you know, concerns or, or issues and things like that. So all, all different types of wildlife are on there. Pretty much everything found in Illinois is there. And it's just a really, really great um, way to learn more about the wildlife in Illinois. Um, my other recommendation, if you are really interested in this, like, how do I support wildlife um, piece? Uh, I, uh, my county is in Cook County. That's the, the area that I serve. And we run a program called Conservation at Home. And our website, which is go.illinois.edu slash ch, um, has some really great resources on supporting wildlife, on supporting the whole ecosystem. Um, and if you look at our criteria, it has like some concrete things that you can do that's like, oh, if I do this, I'll be supporting wildlife. If I do this, I can maybe help with water conservation. If that's, you know, if you came here also and you were like, I like that too. Um, so some really, really great um, resources can be found on there as well. Thank you, Abigail, so much for all of this wonderful information and all of these wonderful resources. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that concludes this month's edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.